The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio talk show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. My name is Ashley Varner, Senior Director of Program and Guest Host on today's show. In 2009, the wellness community and Gilda's Club united to become the Cancer Support Community, the largest provider of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at over 100 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. On today's show, which is brought to you by Amgen and Genentech, We'll be talking about a, few new, about a new initiative called the Cancer Survivor Registry, the Breast Cancer Map Project, a novel research program that has the potential to reshape the standard of care for breast cancer survivors. The Breast Cancer Map Project explores the short and long-term impact of breast cancer on the social and emotional needs of survivors. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so there's no better time than now to talk about this. Before we introduce our guests, let's take a step back and just go over the basics. Breast cancer is the second most common form of cancer in women. There are nearly 3 million people living with breast cancer today in the United States alone, and another 210,000 that will be diagnosed this year. Without a doubt, there is a significant population living with breast cancer. Thankfully, due to medical advances, cancer is becoming more like a chronic disease, and people are living longer than ever before. As people live longer with breast cancer, the evolution of treatment should include managing distress levels that may accompany living with a chronic disease. This is the very reason the cancer support community has developed the Cancer Survivor Registry, the Breast Cancer MAP Project. So let's introduce our guests. First, we have Sheila Kane, breast cancer survivor and MAP Project registrant. Sheila and her family often attend programs at one of our local affiliates, the Gildas Club of Seattle. Thanks for being here, Sheila. Thank you. Next, we have Dr. Joanne Buzaglo, Senior Director of Research at the Cancer Support Community's Research and Training Institute and the lead researcher for the Breast Cancer MAP Project. Dr. Buzaglo is a behavioral health researcher and clinical psychologist with extensive experience in developing programs to help patients cope with the challenges associated with cancer. Welcome, Joanne. Thank you, Ashley. It's great to be here. We're also here with Dr. Barbara Anderson, Professor of Psychology at The Ohio State University. A distinguished university scholar and lecturer, she has received numerous awards and recognitions for her long-standing studies on the effects of the psychological interventions during the course of breast cancer treatment and recovery. 
Barbara also serves as an advisor on the Breast Cancer MAP Project Advisory Council. Barbara, it's great to have you on the show. Thank you. We've got a lot to cover on today's show, so let's jump right in. Joanne, first, can you give us a general overview of the Cancer Survivor Registry, the, the MAP Project? First, we know that MAP stands for Mind Affects the Physical. How does this tie in with the project's purpose? Thank you, Ashley. That's a great question, and I really appreciate this time just to be able to talk about some of the work that we're doing at the cancer uh, support community. Well, as you were saying, there are more than 2.5 million breast cancer survivors in the United States today. And with the rise in survivorship, there is more and more of a need to recognize and understand the challenges that women are facing throughout the breast cancer journey, not just at the time of diagnosis, not just during treatment, but also when treatment is over and well beyond. So the the Cancer Survivor Registry's Breast Cancer MAP project was to develop this very challenge. And I think the play on words, mind affects the physical, is because that a lot of research suggests that our sort of social, emotional well-being affects how we're able to process all the information that's thrown at us as we, as we go through this breast cancer journey and also can impact our quality of life and perhaps even, even, even our health outcomes, our medical outcomes. So there's really a need to better understand the emotional, social impact of breast cancer. Thanks, Joanne. So it sounds like the mind really does affect the physical, and that's what this project is all about. Exactly. Sheila, we know that you are a MAP registrant. Uh, Before I get into how you found out about it and why you joined the MAP project, could you tell us a little bit about your story when you were diagnosed with cancer? You bet. Um, It was January of 2009, and I actually had, um, backing up about a month, I'd felt a lump in my right breast myself, right around Christmas time, and I was on vacation with my family. We were in Colorado, um, and uh, just sort of put it in the back of my mind and, and made a note to check it out when I got back home. So as soon as we got back a couple weeks later, I called my doctor and got, got in right away. And uh, long story short, had, had all the tests I needed to have and found out that it was uh, stage 2 invasive ductile carcinoma, which means it uh, had... Uh, cancer that had spread from the from the milk duct outward and actually had made it into a couple couple lymph nodes as well. And this was when I was 38 years old. That was two years ago, and uh, it was just a real shock. I had a little bit of cancer in my family. My grandmas both had breast cancer, but they were much much older. They were in their 70s when they were diagnosed. So it's not something that was at the top of my mind. No one else in our family had had. Um, cancer of that type. So it was a real shock to be this young and to get something like this. So uh, we jumped right into treatment. I had um, a mastectomy. Soon after that started about six months of chemotherapy and about uh, six weeks of radiation following that. So I finished up my treatment in October of 2009 and things have been clear since then. Wow, that's quite a journey. Thank you for sharing that with us. It was a journey, and it continues to be. And how did you find out about the MAP project? Um, I found out about the MAP project. Um, I think it was some emails from some friends that were forwarded to me, and it looked like just a really great way 
to to help others. Um, I know that my emotional journey with this was, in many ways, a lot more intense than the physical. And if, I knew that if I could uh, help anyone else uh, get some help emotionally going through this, uh, that it would really, I would really feel that I uh, had helped out. Thank you so much, Sheila. It's so good to have you on the show. Barbara, can you tell us a little bit about what causes breast cancer? Well, I'm a, I'm a clinical psychologist. I'm not a physician, but uh, I, can, I can give kind of the, the general parameters. Um, and basically, it is uh, when cells in our body go awry. Maybe they go awry because of genetics. Maybe they go awry because of, um, of some environmental cause, you know, radiation. But they go awry. And unlike normal cells, they kind of don't obey the rules. They can uh, divide very rapidly. They can actually invade, um, kind of poke holes in normal cells and kind of take them over. So a lot of the characteristics of our normal cells, the cancer cells, just basically don't obey the rules. They can travel easily throughout our body. Um, and so, so far, causes of most of the changes that, um, that cells undergo that uh, could lead to breast cancer are unknown. There's a, uh, some types of cancer that, that we, uh, we know are genetically related, BRCA1 and 2, but for the, for the most part, we're still trying to puzzle that out, the cause of, of the majority of, of breast cancers as well as many other cancers. Thank you, Barbara. So there are lots of unknowns, but we're continuing to learn more and yes. more both about the emotional and the physical nature of, of breast cancer. Joanne, can you quickly tell us a little bit about the signs and symptoms of breast cancer? Well, again, like, like Barbara, I'm, I am not a medical doctor. However, we do know that we, there, are, there are a few signs that we can be looking out for. First, as Sheila was saying, she noticed a lump on her breast, and that's, um, that's something that all women should be looking out for, um, although it's often, often it's very hard to detect breast cancer that way. Sometimes you may notice a skin irritation or some nipple pain or some unusual discharge other than breast milk. But most often breast cancer can be found through early detection and, and mammography. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons why it's really important to keep up with those recommendations for mammography. Thank you, Joanne. So, Sheila, you're, you're a wife and mother. Did you need emotional support at any time during your journey with breast cancer? I did, and it came in different ways at different times. Um, I'm lucky enough to have a really close and supportive network of friends and family um, who helped me. We jumped right into treatment once, once I was diagnosed. So um, I had people rallying around me from the very start. Um, but I really didn't feel I needed a whole lot of support until later, which is something I would have never expected. Um, the focus during the first few months was dealing with the physical demands of treatment, such as my surgery and dealing with the surgical drains and the medication and the doctor's appointments and tests and everything, and sort of on autopilot in a way, just sort of mm -hmm. going through the motions of taking care of this problem medically and um, trying to do everything I was supposed to do. 
uh, midway through my chemotherapy, I sought out um, a support group for young uh, women of young breast cancer survivors who are under 40. And it was a really, really a great help to be around people that could give me tips about what to expect, um, you know, where to get a wig, what to, you know, how to take care of your kids while this is going on, things that, that younger people have to deal with um, specifically when going through something like this. And while it was really important, I want to get back to that after the break, because I think this is a really important point about um, how, op- how oftentimes the, the need for support comes after, after treatment is, is finished as much as during the time of treatment. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. We'll be right back with more after the break. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer, created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, which is being brought to you in part by Morphotech, Novartis Oncology, and Pfizer. October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and today we're talking about the new movement called Cancer Survivor Registry, the Breast Cancer Map Project. This project is designed to identify and track the emotional and social needs of breast cancer survivors 
throughout their cancer journey. I'm here with Sheila Kane, breast cancer survivor, Dr. Barbara Anderson, professor of psychology at The Ohio State University, and Dr. Joanne Buzaglo, the Senior Director of Research at the Cancer Support Communities Research and Training Institute. And Sheila, just before the break, you were talking about your need for emotional support um, during your journey, but especially after your journey. Can you say some more about that? Yeah, sure. Um, I was saying that it, it, I did seek out um, a support group midway through chemotherapy for, for young survivors, which was an amazing help. And I still see, I still go and, and talk to them all the time and ask them for some help along the way, even as I'm finished with my treatment. But I did find that as soon as my cancer or my uh, chemotherapy and radiation were over, I expected to be really euphoric and very excited about the end of this, this hard journey. But instead, I felt very nervous and frankly, I felt really depressed. Um, and that, that was a surprise to me. I thought that things would get right back to normal. I'd go back to working and raising my family and running a household and, and doing all the things that I did before cancer came, but it didn't really work that way. And I sought the help of a mental health counselor after I was all finished up. Um, she helped me understand that what I was feeling was normal, um, my scattered mental state and the feeling of being overwhelmed by, by the, a job that I used to really love um, was all kind of normal and, and it was to be expected, which, which I never thought that that would be the case. Well, that's really interesting. Barbara, is that something that you've seen in, in, in your research work with women um, surviving breast cancer, that, that sort of after treatment is done, depression or, or anxiety? Well, most definitely, um, and we actually did, uh, we're running groups with women, and um, what we did is uh, one thing really nice about the groups is that they took women through this transition of being off therapy. And as Sheila noted, um, it can be frightening because people think, oh, gosh, now I'm out here all alone. I'm not receiving, you know, my cancer treatment. Um, they lose the support that patients get from seeing their physician and nurses regularly. That ends. Um they look around them and think, okay, so am I just supposed to now um, act like this never happened and start right back where where I was, pick up all these pieces again? Um, patients have uh, fatigue that is very lengthy, and actually our research suggests that it can last for upwards of two years for people that received treatment like Sheila did. Um, they can physically feel fine, but that fatigue is, can be very insidious. Um, and they oftentimes lose the social support that was so so much there when they were, you know, going through their cycles of chemotherapy. Um, and people uh, do regain their physical appearance. They look healthy. They they feel quote fine, but but it's all of these other things now. It's the fatigue, and then. Now sometimes people finally have the time, if you will, to reflect, hmm, mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. what has happened to me, and, and maybe more time and more reason to reflect on what this has all meant for them and their lives. 
think you're exactly right. I found that to be true, that I didn't have the time to really think about what it meant and what I'd been through when I was going through all the treatment. And then once everything's over and you look normal again and you're starting to feel normal again, you start to think about, wow, that was a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's a serious thing. Well, it sounds like this is, these are just the type of things that the MAP project is, is, is trying to, to decipher. Barbara, you currently serve as an advisor for the Breast Cancer MAP Project. Why did you want to become involved in this initiative? Well, I mean, first, it's a magnificent organization. You know, the wellness community, Gilda's Club, you know, they have been on the forefront for decades providing hands-on assistance to cancer patients. Um, Secondly, they uh, had a very thoughtful, planful way to get information um, with these uh, surveys off over the web, but they were also aware that um, they were choosing kind of a, uh, a facile strategy, if you will, um, to move quickly on the data that they were getting. So using web surveys, you know, they could get data from 1,000 or 2,000 women. They could learn from that data, and then they could very easily, in many respects, um, change the survey on the next go-round um, to, to move forward yet again. That was a great strategy. Um, and then it was an organization that could move quickly because of their um, facilities across the country in terms of the, um, the wellness community. I know I'm not supposed to be using the wellness community, but, you know, they have these facilities all over the country that are, that are helping women. And so they had a mechanism to quickly take what they were learning and translate it to, again, the front lines where they were providing services to cancer patients. Oh, thank you for that, Barbara. And it's fine to use the wellness community. The wellness <laughs> community is certainly part of the cancer support community, right. the, the union of Gilda's Club and the right. wellness community. Right. Um, Sheila, you told us a little bit in the first segment about why you joined the Breast Cancer MAP Project, but tell us a little bit about how you got connected to your local Gilda's Club. Um, good question. I had heard about Gilda's Club. Um, I'd heard, definitely heard the name before. I knew it had something to do with cancer, but before I was diagnosed, I never felt uh, that it was something that I I needed to explore and um, didn't really know much about it then. I did receive some brochures and pamphlets while I was going through treatment, um, but it was on the advice of a friend, a coworker, actually not a coworker, but a, another mother of a child that goes to school with my son who mentioned to me that there were some things at Gilda's Club that I could probably um, take advantage of. And she told me especially about the Young Survival Coalition, which is the, the group I mentioned earlier, a support group for women under 40 affected by breast cancer. They meet at Gilda's Club uh, twice a month, and I started attending those meetings, and it was just a real, a real great place to just feel like you're not alone in this whole thing. It wasn't your typical support group, not that there is a typical type of support group, but I guess what I expected support groups to be like were places where everybody cried and, and it was very solemn and somber. Um, and the YSC is nothing like that at all. It's a group of really vibrant, really funny, really positive women who 
I'm making the most of this while also, you know, uh, sharing ideas and and helping each other get through what's a really crummy part of life for us. This is something mm-hmm. that we never expected to go through, especially at this young of an age. But but everybody in the group is has found ways to deal with this, and we we get together and share that at our meetings. That's really interesting, and and I like what you have, what you've shared about what you thought a support group was going to be versus what you actually found it to be at at Gilda's Club Seattle. I think probably a lot of people think that too. You know, support groups sort of have mm-hmm. that that uh, feel of of being sad, scary places, but it certainly was not the case. Tell us a little bit about, uh, I, I believe that, that you're a wife and mother, and your your son has participated in some of the children's groups? Yes, he, he goes to a really amazing uh, support group there himself. It's called Small Talk, and it's run by a wonderful uh, woman named Michelle Massey, and it's an art therapy program for kids who are dealing with cancer or have family members who have cancer. So most of the kids, I think, in the group right now have parents uh, who have cancer or who have had cancer. And Michelle just takes these kids upstairs and they they have a special place where they can talk to each other and to Michelle about anything that they want. And she respects their privacy and she doesn't, she tells them that this is where they can talk about um, anything on their mind and feel safe in doing that. And they have programs, little projects that they do put together, um, they work with clay, they work with, with paint, they, they draw pictures about cancer, they make balloons, they do all sorts of things, and while they're doing that, they just discuss how it makes them feel, what scares them, things like that, and it just gives them a great place to, to go ahead and say things that might, they might not say to their friends who don't have parents that have cancer. So mm-hmm. I still take my son there, even though in his mind, the cancer is over with. It's been two years since I was diagnosed and more than a year and a half since I was finished with treatment, but he still brings it up sometimes. You know, he's seven years old and he asks if it'll come back. Maybe something's prompted him to ask that. Maybe he's heard about somebody else who has cancer through school or something. And so I know it's still on his mind, even though it's not an everyday thing that he thinks about and is afraid of. So I still take him every now and then and He's made some friends there, and he has a great time. And he's uh, he's done some other things too, right? He's gone to Camp Sparkle, I believe, or or and yep, participated he did. in Noogie Land. Sparkle, that's that's a week long camp every year that Gilda's Club in Seattle puts on for kids um, affected by cancer in any way. And they do all sorts of things every day. They go on some sort of a field trip. They went to see. The Seattle Sounders soccer team's uh, practice facility. They, gosh, where did they go? Where didn't they go? They went all over the place, <laughs> all over Seattle. Um, and in between there, they, they sing and they dance and they make projects, do art. It was definitely the highlight of my summer. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Well, we'll be right back with more Frankly Speaking About Cancer right after the break. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio, because shift happens. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Ashley Varner, and we're here with Dr. Barbara Anderson, Professor of Psychology at The Ohio State University, Dr. Joanne Buzaglo, the Senior Director of Research at the Cancer Support Communities Research and Training Institute, and Sheila Kane, breast cancer survivor and a member of Gilda's Club Seattle. We've been talking today about the importance of the emotional and social support for breast cancer survivors and the Cancer Support Communities' new initiative, the Cancer Survivor Registry, the Breast Cancer Map Project, which has been designed to understand the important role that social and emotional support plays in the healing process. Gilda's Club and all of our local affiliates provide great emotional support programs for those affected by cancer. Barbara, you were recently published in the Journal of Cancer, and your study examined the effects of emotional support. How do your study of findings support and relate to the MAP project? Well, our research was a clinical trial, and so half of the women received a psychological intervention. Uh, It had a number of goals, one, to reduce stress, to help patients with their social support, uh, to change their patterns of health, uh, their diet, their exercise. And uh, the interventions uh, was very effective in, in impacting all of those outcomes. The women that participated in our, our groups, they had lower levels of stress and anxiety. Their relationships with their friends and family were improved. Um, and they did have very important changes in their health, such as their diet. Um, actually, there were a few women that were smokers in our study, and uh, the incidence of smoking was also lowered. 
But what we found when we achieved those effects that we also had improved health outcomes. The women in the intervention group um, were evaluated by nurses and they were found to have fewer symptoms as they uh, went through their chemotherapy. And then after chemotherapy, their recovery, um, they had uh, fewer symptoms and a quicker recovery uh, as well. So their whole general kind of status of activity um, and their ability to to participate in their activities of life um, were better. We were also a study that was looking at the relationship between stress and immunity, and we found that women in the intervention group had improved measures of immunity. And so we were really encouraged by these findings. But the real point of the study was actually to look at if if you offered an intervention, a psychological intervention uh, to women, might you actually impact the course of disease? And the study you were referring to was published, uh, we've actually published two studies, one a couple of years ago in cancer that showed that the women that were in the intervention arm as opposed to those in the control arm they actually had a reduced risk for recurrence of their disease. Fewer women recurred. And then we continued to follow women, and uh, certainly there were individuals with recurrence in both study arms, but fewer in the intervention arm. And then we found that the women in the intervention arm actually lived longer after recurrence. So we were just kind of thrilled with these findings because we could offer an effective intervention and we could uh, kind of move health outcomes, which is very exciting. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other piece from our research um, is that just kind of the flip side. If you do nothing, then the stress uh, diagnosis predicts later stress for the women, one year, two years down the road. Um, the symptoms of depression at diagnosis predict later symptoms of of depression. And if you put those two things together, then you have an, um, a negative effect on, on the women's quality of life. So there's great contrast between when we offer um, treatments that are shown by data to be effective, empirically supported, Um, psychological treatments, when we offer those, and then when we don't, there's just a tremendous contrast in terms of how people do, not only in the short term of, you know, the year-long period of receiving cancer treatment, but do um, better in the long term of being, going into those survivorship years. So it sounds like that the, that in, in layman's term, your your study really found that the mind does affect the physical. That the support really does does have an impact on on physical, or is correlated with a, a, a physical outcomes. Well, this study was an experiment, and so um, it wasn't a correlational study. So, you know, women were randomized to receive um, either be either in the control arm or the intervention arm, and uh, uh, the data show that um, in terms of their cancer outcomes, they had they had better cancer outcomes. Very interesting study um, just appeared um, about a week ago 
with regards to lung cancer patients receiving um, palliative care, just basically good symptom management versus not, and those patients um, surviving longer too. And this is lung cancer. And so it's clear that um, if we can do the important things um, to enhance quality of life, that we will reap multiple benefits. Very exciting. Very exciting. I just pipe in there here because I think that results from your study, Barbara, are so exciting for us at the well, at, at the cancer support community and at the wellness community and at Gilded Clubs <laughs> because we provide so many of those key components right. that were in your group intervention, you know, the support groups, you know, groups around diet and exercise and stress management and um, even ways to better communicate with your doctor. So... The, the work that you have done, Barbara, I really think is groundbreaking. It's the kind of data that we all yearn for because it supports what we truly believe really can help cancer survivors live long and better lives. Thank you. So, Joanne, tell us a little bit about how many breast cancer survivors are currently participating with the registry. Well, I'm very proud to report that we have about 2,400 uh, I want to say women, although we do have men from across the country um, and from 20 different, actually 20 different countries, not just the United States, from 48 states within the United States. And this has happened through a lot of efforts with partnering with our uh, advocacy partners, such as Sisters Network and Living Beyond Breast Cancer um, and, and others. And, and, but the best way we've found to really reach out and, and attract the attention of breast cancer survivors is by word of mouth. Um, and so it's my hope um, that even through this call that people can go on to www.breastcancerregistry.org. And, uh, and, and if they do that, what type of questions will you be asking them? And how often would you be contacting them? Um, well, the way it works is actually participating is easy. You go in, you have to create a profile, and, and, up, you have to, and you'll be asked some simple questions about who you are and, and some basic things about uh, your breast cancer experience. And then it so happens that in Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we are going to be fielding a number of questions um, about sort of key priority issues one which is really helping identify where are those gaps in care, where are those top needs, where, where, what do breast cancer survivors really want, and at what point in time their needs may be different just at the end of treatment as compared to maybe two years out. We want to understand what may be some of those needs out there. Also, we're going to drill down a little bit on some priority areas that we've already found of key interest to breast cancer survivors and that's treatment decision-making and what kind of support would really help someone as they're trying to make some important decisions with their doctors and with their medical team. That's one area. Another area that we're looking into is survivorship care planning. You know, one of the things that the Institute of Medicine um, recommended in around 2005 is that 
all cancer patients should be receiving a care plan from their medical team. And yet we know that at the end of treatment, most cancer survivors don't really receive a a treatment, even summary, or, or a plan for what they can do that can address some of the challenges that they face from the end of treatment and beyond. So we're going to be asking questions about these important areas. And then being part of a registry means that actually we're going to be able to reach out to you a number of times. In fact, we're going to probably be coming back within a year. But before, in between, we may want to hit on some hot topics like some areas of interest about breast cancer risk and how do you communicate that with your family or even breast cancer in the environment and what are people's attitudes about uh, what, you know, what's in their environment and maybe that impact on their health. So this is going to be an ongoing, so when you register, it's like you're registering to be part of something bigger and being able to lend your voice to really help, really help us understand what are the challenges that survivors face as and longer with, after a diagnosis of breast cancer. It's just like Sheila said earlier then, that, that women who are participating in this registry are really going to be able to have an impact on, on the standard of care for, for, for people that are diagnosed with breast cancer in the future. Exactly. exactly. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer, and we'll be right back with much more after the break. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community a global network of education and hope. If you are a first-year mom or maybe a mother-to-be, tune in every week for From Here to Maternity. Your host, Janet Markovitz, will answer some of those questions that others won't. Learn what to ask your professional and when to ask it. We'll take a look at the latest products for new moms and future moms. We're here to support you and answer your questions in this special and sometimes difficult time. From Here to Maternity is broadcast live every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you of Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Ashley Varner, guest host for today's show. As you've heard throughout this episode, emotional and social support is key for anyone faced with a cancer diagnosis, particularly breast cancer. Since October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, we're taking a special look at the Breast Cancer MAP Project. Joanne, tell us a little more about what you hope this project can do for those who have been diagnosed with breast cancer. Well, I think you're already starting to hint at it um, just before the break when we're hoping that we can really help change the standard of cancer care. I mean, one of the things we know that's really important is that we can address some of those social-emotional needs that breast cancer survivors have, and that what we learned from Barbara is that really can help improve the health outcomes and quality of life of people who have been diagnosed with the disease. One of the things I like about the uh, MAP project, and one of the things we really took into consideration when we were developing the questions and even the, the website, was that, you know, we want all our findings and, and are to be transparent to everyone who participates. So one of the things that I like is that if you answer, questions, answer a question, say, you know, how much of a problem is fatigue for you? And you, would, you can click on to an icon after you answer, and you can see how other women um, um, are answering that question. So you may find out that, oh, my goodness, you know, four out of five women are saying that they're, you know, experiencing problems with fatigue or with sleep. And um, my hope is that that alone will help people feel that they're not alone. They'll be able to understand that, that their experience it can be like others. Um, and I'm also hoping that these questions um, will, will be shared with the cancer community at large. One of our deliverables and our goals for the MAP project is to create an annual report that will be shared with all the registrants, as well as with the cancer community at large, so that we'll be better able to identify where are those gaps in care, where do we really need to put our energies in developing new programs that are going to help people. And my hope is that we'll be able to do this all um, in, the next, in the next year and beyond. Boy, you've got your, got your plate full, Joanne. It's amazing what you're accomplishing. So tell us who can join and how people can find out more about the MAP project. Well, participating is easy. Uh, all it takes is two simple steps. As I said before, um, we need to, you, all you need to do is sign up at www.breastcancerregistry.org. I'll say that again. That's breastcancerregistry.org. And you'll answer some questions when you go online. You'll create a password so everything, all the data that you put in is, is secure and confidential, and we'll be asking you to, pro to provide updates annually. And in addition, we'll be, we will be providing you with newsletters and updates and updates on our findings from what we're learning from everybody who is participating. And we hope that it's easy and straightforward so that um, all women can participate. Thank you. Thank you. I wouldn't mind adding something there. Um, as somebody who has joined the MAP project, I think it would be worth mentioning that it's not, it doesn't take any time at all. I'm a busy person. I know a lot of people are. 
and uh, I'm not someone who jumps into things like this quickly um, because I don't like to take the time to do it. But this honestly took me minutes to sign up, and you don't get constant emails. You don't get um, requests for information all the time. It's, it's a very easy, quick thing to do. And, um, yeah, I would really encourage people to do it because it's, you know, it's something that you can do to, to help others, and it can help you too. And it certainly doesn't take too much of your time. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful, Sheila. Thank you for piping in. I think that, that, that so many of us um, are a little bit leery about getting too many emails or, or having too many things, so it's good to know that this is, this is well done. Exactly. If you had any advice for someone who had just been diagnosed with breast cancer, Sheila, what would it be? I would probably say um, to talk to somebody about it. Um, it wasn't hard for me to do that. I tend to, to tell everybody my business, whether they want to hear it or not. So, um, But a lot of people, I think, especially older people, might have a harder time sharing something like this. They might find it to be embarrassing or they might not want to um, share their problems with other people. But I found that by doing so, I really I got so much back from that, whether it's just talking about your situation with a friend or a coworker or someone at the, in the waiting room at the doctor's office or, or your Starbucks barista or anybody might have some suggestions for you or some ideas or at least to sympathize with you. And it can really put your mind at ease when you're having a bad day or feeling scared. Um, you know, a lot of people have gone through this and a lot of people know people who've gone through this. And if it weren't for me just chatting with people and passing about my situation, I wouldn't have heard about the YSC and I wouldn't have heard about Small Talk or Gilda's Club or, or all sorts of different things that are open and available to survivors to help them through this. That's some great advice, Sheila. Joanne, what would be your advice to somebody that's newly diagnosed with breast cancer? I think that... Um, I would echo what Sheila's saying because I think it's very important to be never not to feel alone. There's no need to feel alone in this whole journey. And also, I would I would say it's okay to take a moment to take a deep breath and not to be afraid to ask any questions of your doctor and re- uh, before you make any treatment decisions and to take your time to feel like you can really think it through. I think so many times we're so afraid when we hear the word cancer. But I think breast cancer is one of these stories in which there's so much which, we, which is being done now. I mean, so many advances, medical advances, that um, it's not what it used to mean. I think people can live very long and productive lives after a diagnosis of breast cancer. Thank you, Joanne. I think that's so important for, for, for everyone to hear. Barbara, what if you if you ran into somebody that had just been diagnosed? What would be your advice for them? Well, a couple things. One, uh, find a strategy to help help you reduce your stress. Uh, for our, the women in our groups, we taught them relaxation training. Uh, some people uh, meditate, but find something that you can do to actively reduce your stress, and then stick to it. <laughs> 
um, <laughs> with regards to social support, um, sometimes one of the biggest challenges women have is is letting people help them. Uh, cancer patients oftentimes get get lots of offers of help, uh, but then they say no. So I would I would encourage people to you know let let people help you let. You know, if they want to take you to chemotherapy, if they want to bring you a casserole, whatever, let them do that. Um, if you were in their position, you would be offering to. Um, Joanne made some great uh, uh, points about um, dealing with health care providers. Um, I recommend that people jot down notes uh, to just kind of prepare for their visits because oftentimes they get in the office, they can't remember anything, they feel like they have to hurry. Um, but just remember, you know, you're paying the bills, uh, you're, they're entitled, uh, you're entitled to get their time and, and to get the most out of your visits. And then lastly, about 25% of, of cancer patients have real struggle with depression. And depression really isn't a part of a cancer diagnosis. You know, certainly stress is and, and um, being upset and so on. But if you're someone who feels really sad that you've lost interest in things that used to make you happy, that you find yourself withdrawing, that you feel hopeless, you know, that's depression. Um, and, and just to consider that, um, you know, that reaching out to your healthcare providers, others, um, that asking for, for help with, with your mood if you're feeling like it's really getting low. Those are just some simple things. All of those recommendations are just excellent. I'd really like to thank all of you for being here today to educate, inform, and, and inform our listeners on this really important topic. If you'd like to learn more about the Breast Cancer Map Project, the Mind Affects the Physical Project, please go to www.breastcancerregistry.org. I'll say that again, www.breastcancerregistry.org. To simply learn more about the Cancer Support Community's many services, please call 888-793-9355. That's 888-793-9355 or go to www.cancersupportcommunity.org. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 